0: Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on The Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. And welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa,
1: and I'm Allison.
0: So, if you've been following our past few episodes, we've been talking about a certain sweet Bergamasque by Cloud W C. And this episode is our grand finale of that Sweet Bergamasque series, and we totally intended to end it on Christmas Eve, didn't we?
1: Yeah, it's our holiday special. <laughs>
0: But really, it is one of the most popular pieces of classical music, so if you're at home with family, this is a great one to share because people tend to love listening to things that they already have familiarity with. So then, without much further ado, let's get right into this glorious music. Please remember, we've gone into a lot of Sweet Bergamask context in episode 185, which is three episodes prior to this. So do go back and check that out if you haven't already. And now Claire de Lune.
1: And of course, as we have also mentioned in our previous WC episodes, this suite is meant to be an impression of a Baroque dance suite. However, Claire de Lune is not a dance.
0: An interpretive dance, maybe.
1: (laughs) I suppose people have danced to it before, Um, but it is, however, still an impression and it's Debussy's impression of a poem by Paul Verlaine, which is also titled Clair de Lune, which translates from French into Moonlight. Would you like me to read the poem?
0: I would love for you to read the poem by Paul Verlaine.
1: All right. Your soul is like a landscape fantasy, where masks and bergamasques in charming wise strum lutes and dance just a bit sad to be hidden beneath their fanciful disguise. Singing in minor mode of life's largesse, and all victorious love, they yet seem quiet, reluctant to believe their happiness, and their song mingles with the pale moonlight. The calm, pale moonlight, whose sad beauty beaming, set the birds softly dreaming in the trees, and makes the marbled fountains gushing, streaming, slender jet fountains sob their ecstasies. Wonderful. Very
0: evocative. It is. And Verlaine literally mentions bergamasks in the first verse, so it all is quite on theme for Debussy's suite. Now, many people latch onto the last stanza of this poem when picking art related to Claire de Lune for, say, album covers. So often you'll see Claire de Lune associated with impressionist-style paintings of the moon reflected in rippling water.
1: And of course, this piece has also been featured in countless pieces of media as well popularly Ocean's Eleven, as the cast gazes at the Bellagio Fountain in Las Vegas. Um, But there's also some other pieces of media, such as Twilight, to show that vampires also appreciate classical music. And then also it was in a trailer for the 2018 Godzilla movie, which is to inspire awe and wonder for The Large Monster, just to name a few. (laughs)
0: I, I want to actually ask before we go on, Allison, when you think of Claire de Lune, what is the first piece of modern media that jumps into your head that associates with Claire de Lune?
1: Of modern media?
0: Of modern media.
1: Um, I think probably Ocean's Eleven, just because it yeah. was the first one that I saw it in. Yeah, I think I think Ocean's Eleven.
0: Mine is a youtube series uh called car boys um <laughs> where images of uh, you know sequences of virtual simulated automotive destruction are always backed by claire de lune <laughs> and i asked i asked that for for a reason because i think that claire de lune is one of those pieces that's become something more than just a well-known piece of classical music Mm -hmm. it's taken on it's taken on a lot of extra meaning right like it's it's so well known and it evokes such a certain vibe and image in people's heads that now that can be both used in its almost to say intended Mm -hmm. format like to evoke a scene of calm and reverence or in, and almost played comedic. for laughs, right? Yeah, almost in a comedic sense, or in the in the example of Godzilla, it's a it's a very fun juxtaposition mm-hmm. to sort of like push home the you know awe or destructive power. It's not always calming, and I think that's that's a really cool thing that this piece of music has done.
1: Yeah, I think it's it definitely transcended obviously its original intention, and being so popular you know it, it has that that stronghold in the general populace's mind so it can be used in such a way which is yeah i would say a big step forward for classical music
0: <laughs> yeah for sure and there goes all the material i had for the conclusion so this is gonna be uh, <laughs> it's a topsy-turvy episode <laughs> topsy-turvy episode but now on to the music Unlike our previous minuet that was a little difficult to find the ABA form, this piece has a definitive form with the ABA sections quite defined. So we'll start with that first A section opening with the iconic, simple melody.
1: The first measure itself is really just a breakdown of a D flat major chord. So we start with an F and an A flat in the bass that holds while a higher octave F and A flat also come in. And over these held tones, we then have a D flat and F that come in. and it's a good thing that we have set up this d flat major chord right away because that is the key that we are in which is five flats it's a good challenge if you've ever played it which i have it's it's fun learning five flats <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fun is one way to put it <laughs> the next measure moves the harmony down a little and now we have g and a natural in the lower notes with C and E flat in the upper notes giving us a diminished 7 chord and those can resolve anywhere they want However the A natural gives a little crunch against the A flat from the previous measure
1: But don't worry WC brings us back to quote normal harmonies in the very next measure Kind of. We got back to the F and A flat in the lower notes. However, now we have B flat and D flat in the upper notes. So actually a B flat minor 7 instead of the D flat major that you thought we were going back to. And also of note, this piece is written in 9-8 time, which means there's 9 beats per measure broken into 3 groups of 8th note triplets. We have been hearing those groups of the 8th notes, but in this particular measure, WC has actually written a very specific 8th note duple, which gives it a bit of a swinging quality to the music.
0: However, with lots of rubato at the performer's discretion, this piece never really feels like it's in a strict time signature, which contributes a lot to the Impressionist vibe that Debussy puts out. As this main melodic idea goes on, the harmony just slowly changes by either a half or whole step. until we've traveled down an entire octave to arrive back on D-flat major. And once we've arrived at our tonic again, the melody repeats, but to add interest, WC gives the bass line a bit more to do. Now, there are several chords per measure, and they all feature at least three notes, as opposed to the two note chords we got in the first phrase.
1: It's also not an exact copy of the first phrase. This one has a few more upward runs that are acting kind of like sequences. For example, in the third measure of this second phrase, instead of having the duples that we heard in the first phrase, we have a mirroring of the first measure of the phrase. A step up, a skip to the high point, and then a smaller leap down. So let's compare the first measure of the second phrase to the third measure of the second phrase, and also to the fifth measure. This is really where the energy starts to build up to a high point. The rhythmic motif changes here as the duples come back in full force and WC asks for a decrescendo.
0: This then allows for a peaceful transition into something completely different, i.e. a new musical motif. This is very much a building section that features repetition. We start with a low bass pedal tone on E flat that holds while large chords are played in the treble. And of note these chords feature quartal and quintal harmony that really defined the impressionist era now those quartal harmony refers to intervals of a fourth between notes and quintal harmony refers to intervals of a fifth between notes instead of the traditional chord interval of a third so for example this first treble chord is f b flat f technically it's just an inversion with an octave of a b flat major chord but the stacking of the notes makes it feel a lot more open, which is the exact effect these quartal and quintal harmonies achieve.
1: So moving along in this section, the first phrase was all downward-moving chords. The next phrase is a bit of a mimic of that, but it builds the drama by adding some upward movement to each triplet group. After that, WC writes a whole measure of duples. It makes a bit of a warping effect with the time, as in the very next measure, we snap right back to the triplets. And this pattern repeats a few more times, and the harmonies change and the dynamics increase.
0: until we reach the high point of the phrase with more open, quartal chords. And there's a fun effect on these chords that comes back later in the piece as well, known as rolled chords. This is a type of ornamentation where the keys of the piano are not depressed at the same time, but rather in a quick, very arpeggio-like movement, the pianist depresses each key individually, it keeps each note held for a final chord so it gives the effect of the hands just rolling across the keyboard.
1: And with that we get into one of the next famous sections of the piece and for our purposes it is the B section. Again, to use mimicry, WC starts to mimic those rolled chords with actual written-out 16th note arpeggios in the left hand. But, of course, these 16th notes are not the melody. What we really want to hear is the much slower paced notes in the treble. WC also relates this section back to the beginning of the A section by utilizing just 2 note chords in intervals of thirds for the start of this melody.
0: While it's challenging to play, The difference in style between the left and right hands here is key to the impression that Debussy is going for. This part of the piece especially seems to relate back to the line in the poem about the moonlight on the fountains. You can imagine the right hand's slow melody is the reflection of the moon, always present on the surface of the water and only slowly changing as the moon moves through the sky. However, the upward sweeping sixteenth notes are like ripples on the water, constantly moving outward from their source and repeating as more splashes emerge from the pool. It's really one of the most evocative passages in all of classical music.
1: Mm -hmm. And as we go on through this section, there's also a clever little key change. We start with what sounds like just a repeat of the first phrase of the B section. However, thanks to enharmonics, WC starts writing what used to be a flat as G sharp and C flat as B natural, and these tones of course sound the same and they're used all the way up to the point of the key change. And then instead of resolving to a D flat major chord, we instead land on a C sharp minor chord. Now, of course, C-sharp and D-flat are also enharmonic tones as well, but the tonality that we now establish in this section with that C-sharp or maybe E major, it's kind of a slightly brighter sound that seems to come from those sharp
0: keys instead of the flat keys. The section also goes into a much higher register than we've heard previously. The arpeggios persist, but eventually we get some downward movement, as the treble line also makes a grand descent with parallel third intervals. Kind of sounding like little bells. and this downward movement takes us back to D-flat as well. This is perhaps the more peaceful water that Debussy is evoking. The arpeggios have turned into just back and forth fifth intervals, which is much more static than the dramatic upward sweeps that we've heard previously.
1: The treble melody is more subdued as well, but still mimics the previous boisterous melody through its rhythm. And then Debussy gives the compulsory nod to the Baroque era. The bass now gets to play the melody while the treble takes over the sixteenth notes in the middle octave, and then it also has little melodic interjections while the bass gets to hold some longer notes. So again, this is kind of like a three-voice fugue, but definitely not fugue form. Remember, this is just an impression.
0: <laughs> and from there, WC winds down the B section, with the treble playing a high E flat, while the bass plays around with the subtly changing harmony once again. In each of these arpeggios, just one note is changed, but the first note stays consistent as a G flat. It's really a masterful use of voice leading, meaning you're using the smallest intervals possible to give a whole different sound to the harmony. And expert voice leading is a nod to the vocal forms that originated even earlier than the Baroque era.
1: And so then, of course, we've made it back to the A section. WC holds on to the style of the B section, though, by incorporating the upward 16th note arpeggio still, rather than just the block chords like we had in the first iteration of the A section. Also, the higher octave of the melody, and the use of rubato in this section, gives almost a music box-like quality, with things just kind of starting to wind down. In the second iteration of the A section phrase, WC takes us back to just chords in the bass, rather than those arpeggios. Recall in the first A section, when we got that second phrase repetition, the melody was actually a little more exciting. While here in this second A section, this repetition is now really going back to the basics. So it's like a reversal of the form and gives that piece really a great symmetrical feeling.
0: This sort of thing is further proof of what a great composer Debussy really was. I say surprising absolutely no one. (laughs) As we've mentioned before, he really did know forms and theory really well. This sort of musical structure that he puts in here doesn't just happen by accident. He obviously planned it, but he was able to write the piece in such a free-flowing way that the form doesn't smack the listener in the face the way that some Baroque or classical pieces might, at least with the benefit of hindsight. Mm Mm-hmm. And to follow in that vein, we do get a coda, but it doesn't sound like it's tacked on as an afterthought. The last measure of the previous phrase is actually resolved by the first note of the coda. We have 5 V7 chord that would love nothing more than to resolve to tonic D-flat, and WC does just that with a single D-flat an octave away from our previous chord.
1: And that really could be the end of the piece. However, with some more of those water ripple-like arpeggios, we get to move back and forth from D-flat major to F minor, which is the third, a few times, and also get some echoes of the melodic material. This gets to end on a really lovely rolled D-flat major chord that is stacked in such a way that we get some 4th and 5th intervals to really open up that sound.
0: Now wasn't that just so nice? so nice <laughs> <laughs> i've i've uh, as i said earlier i've uh, exhausted my material for the for the outro here so just uh, a recap claire de lune is an awesome piece if you have is one one thing i will say is that if you haven't gone through and sat down and really listened like listened c- critically to a piece like Claire de Lune yet. Set some time aside. Set ten minutes. Put on a good pair of headphones in a quiet room and just let it wash over you.
1: You know, if you set aside ten minutes, you can probably listen to it twice. So you can catch some things that you didn't hear the first time. So it's really only like a five to six minute piece, depending on
0: how fast people go. Exactly. And then you can listen back to our podcast again and... Unders- and hopefully with a with a new sense of understanding
1: yeah and i think we've mentioned this before as well but if you watch the music i guess if you know how to read music it's really fun to look at the score and just like see those very subtle little note changes that we're talking about that wc really utilized through the whole sweet burger like i mean really go do this with the whole suite it's a great piece of music and if you yeah. got some time this holiday season, you want to escape from your family for a little bit, just go hole up in your bedroom, listen to Sweet Bergamosk. You'll feel better, I
0: promise. Sorry, Mom. I can't do the dishes. I'm holed up in my room listening to Sweet Bergamask.
1: <laughs> or invite your family around the Christmas tree, listen to Sweet Bergamosk. Every time someone wants to point something out in the music you could pause it and everyone have a big family discussion about what's going on in the music i think it'd be a great time new holiday game is listen to sweet (laughs) bergamask oh no i think we've gone off the rails spend your holidays however you want
0: (laughs) yes and from both of us at the coffee house very happy holidays however you choose to celebrate them and thank you so much for making us a part of your christmas eve or christmas day or heck i don't know you could be listening to us in july of 2030 <laughs> thank you for making us a part of your life for however long we have been
1: we very much appreciate it and we'll be back in 2024 with more music can you believe it music
0: music oh my goodness <laughs> um i'm just for kicks and grins the first episode we're coming up on eight years of the coffee house
1: really that long
0: the first episode (laughs) one rc1 in my episode one folder No, it was in july wasn't it said it was modified like it says it was Mm. it was it was made on june 28th of 2016
1: wow we've really been going after this for a long time (laughs) we have i hope that we've improved over time
0: i hope so too and if we have tell us so on uh via review itunes spotify google Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcasts and uh we will see you in 2024 or the coffee house i'm asa
1: and i'm allison thank you so much for listening Claire de Lune from Sweet Burger Mosque was performed by Jacobo Salvatore. You can find The Coffeehouse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook at The Coffeehouse Classical Podcast and Instagram at Podcast Coffeehouse. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.